Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app or at Dash Radio. You can download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net. We're there now every day from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. Also, my new show on OnsideRadio.com. This is the only locally owned sports radio station in South Florida. I'm on there every day at 10 a.m. Obviously, we'll get into a bunch of dolphins here on Monday as they go to 9 and 5. I'll talk to Louis Sung from the Five Reasons Sports Network on Monday and David Fernandez on Tuesday. Also check out fivereasonsports.com, spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com, four new articles from Brady over the weekend. He's a machine, so make sure you check all of those out, as well as the latest column from Craig Davis, again, on the Dolphins' win today. Also, our great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, I will admit this was a little bit frustrating for me today because I was this close to winning big, and I just missed out because Patrick Mahomes took a knee at the end. But if you're tired of losing in fantasy sports, times are changing. Now it's just you versus the numbers. Prize picks is the perfect way for you, whether the injury bug ruined your season-long team or a season vet in the daily fantasy space. On prize picks, you simply select two, three, four. Sometimes the promotions are from even more players. From They can be from any team and predict if they'll go over or under their fantasy projection. We will be doing this with the NBA starting next week. So if you think that Jimmy Butler is going to score more than 25 points, go over, pair him with somebody else, and you got a chance to win. You can make these picks in as, in little, as little as 60 seconds. So sign up today at prizepicks.com, prizepicks.com. We've gotten a lot of converts on this lately. And use the code 5, F-I-V-E, to get up to 100% match on your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Prize picks, again, prizepicks.com. Truly daily fantasy simplified. And now... Today's episode. One, two, three, four, five on the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here is today's floor plan. I've got my guy, Greg Sylvander. I know you're all waiting on Harden news, uh, but we have a guest today. This is my former colleague at Bleacher Report. Actually, my former co-host at Bleacher Report Radio. He's been on five on the floor before, but never with this designation. Howard Beck is now with Sports Illustrated. That got announced this week. We are happy to bring you on here. Of course, uh, you're, you've been a podcaster yourself. Uh, my claim to fame with Howard is trying to find a studio in Las Vegas during summer league, because we had secured, I think the only radio interview LeBron James has ever done. <laughs> right. I feel like it, like, like it was summer league and we, we got LeBron to do it. And we, our last show, I believe it was our last show was LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Alvin Gentry. And I think Tim Grover, I think that was our show. Like those were our four guests. And and then basically they blew me out right after that. But it was a pretty damn good way to go out. That's a lot of, do we really have four guests at a two hour show? We did. We woke Alvin up. You don't remember waking <laughs> Alvin up in his hotel? I have, a, I have a vague recollection of that. I remember Alvin. I remember LeBron for sure. And yes, I don't recall there ever being a radio interview with LeBron before or since then. So uh, still huge kudos to you, Ethan, for getting him. And yeah, I remember we were... um in a little studio 
at the UNLV student, I think, I think it was like the student radio station, right? It, it was. We're at the student radio station, of course, because it's me. I left my little internet device there and had to go back there the next day. Uh, but yes, we did get LeBron. And actually, he was, I think he was with his kids in his kitchen. And he, he did like, we, like I was hoping I get, we'd get like seven minutes. I think we got like up to 20 minutes. And he talked about uh, it was after the loss in the finals when he was with Cleveland. So I think it was, right? Uh, yeah, because it was, yeah, it was 14 15. And he was talking about how this was going to haunt him. And I remember asking him about the heat and he talked about how much he liked the Justice Winslow draft pick. Like those are the things that kind of jump out to me. So that, and he had just, and he had just made that movie. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, what I, was the name of it? Guys, uh, I still have never seen it. Um, the blonde actress. I can't remember yeah. her name. Uh, the, um, yeah. Com, com, uh, comedian and actress. Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember. I think that's <laughs> why they agreed to put him on because it was promoting uh, it was promoting the movie. But anyway, nobody wants to hear about this. But Howard is now with Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Obviously, he did great work at Bleacher Report for a very long time. And the reason we wanted to have Howard other than we love having Howard is because Howard knows a lot of the players that might be involved in the James Harden saga. So Howard lives up in the Brooklyn area. Obviously, the Nets are involved in this. He's been tied in with the Nets franchise. Uh, he's known Daryl Morey for quite a long time. And obviously, we can provide the Heat perspective. So let's go big picture here, and then Greg and I are going to kind of narrow down on this. Um, and by the way, yes. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Uh, the movie was Trainwreck. The actors is Amy Schumer. So Thank there we go. Much. So well that we done. don't have to. So that we don't. So that you don't get, and I don't get a bunch of people, uh, to, you know, snapping at us on Twitter or whatever, saying we're idiots for not knowing this. There it is. Uh, Amy Schumer, Trainwreck. They're gonna say we're idiots anyway. James, James, James Harden, continue. That <laughs> was making a big coaching adjustment on the fly right there. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. There's, there's an audible. Well. Uh, the movie actually wasn't bad and he wasn't bad in it. Um, and we're still I'll, waiting. I'll watch it one of these days. One of these days. Well, I'll watch, maybe I'll watch space jam two first. Probably not. All right, but let, let's get to the big picture stuff on this. So from your perspective, heat fans uh, have been, I'll just say irritated at the national media because two years ago, nobody in the national media had the heat in the Jimmy Butler conversation. When we did, uh, he wasn't supposedly according to the national guys, he didn't have the heat on his list when we knew he did. Uh, and the James Harden situation, like there's been very few mentions of the heat and a lot of mentions of the Nets in Philadelphia. I'm just curious from your perspective, how do you see that the Harden situation that has played out to this point? And if you had sort of a guess, and again, we'll dive into it a little bit here. Where do you see it going? Well, the one thing I was sure of from the moment that you guys reported this and the moment that it became much more of a, of a, of a, broad news item across the board um, and that it became like kind of accepted reality that James Harden wants out and it's going to happen eventually. The one thing I was sure from the start was this, it wasn't going to happen before the season began. Now it's Sunday night and opening night is still two nights away and I can still eat my words on this. But um, the one thing I've been sure of all along is that the Rockets have no urgency to do this other than the discomfort of having him still there, knowing that he wants out and he's got to still work with teammates who he's trying to abandon. And I'm sure that doesn't help. No one's probably particularly happy about this, but the bottom line is James Harden is not in the situation that Anthony Davis was when he forced his way out of new Orleans, nor is he in the position that a lot of other guys have been in recent years when they've done this. Kyrie Irving was the outlier when he forced his way out of Cleveland with two seasons still left on his contract and they didn't have to honor that one either. Harden has two years and a third year that's a team op or excuse me, a player option, but it's a, it's a player option at 47 million. 
and he'll be 34 years old. So it's not even a certainty that we should call that, well, it's only two years and then he's got his freedom. No, like he may not want that freedom at that time with 47 million that he'd have to leave on the table. Um, so he doesn't have the same kind of leverage other than making people uncomfortable. And that's effective-ish, right? Like he was off partying in Vegas and Atlanta or wherever and like people weren't happy about it. And then he finally had to show up and uh, you know, it was not, it's not been great, but the Rockets have to do what's best for the Rockets. They have a new GM, Raphael Stone, who was one of Daryl Morey's lieutenants. Um, the owner himself, Tillman Fertitta, is still early in his, 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 his tenure as, as team owner, what, three years in or whatever. Harden predates him. Daryl predated him. Everything that's been great about the Rockets predated him, and they haven't exactly been great since he arrived, or they've been kind of, you know, uh, bumpy, I would say. So the last thing that Tillman Fertitta and Raphael Stone want as the first major decision of theirs together would be to trade James Harden at all. But if you're going to have to trade him, to trade him for a lackluster package. And so it's not to say that you can get the Paul George package that the Thunder got when they traded him to the Clippers or what the Pelicans got for Anthony Davis. All of these are different. Leverage is different. It's hard to, to compare. But James Harden is a, a, a recent MVP who is still a perennial MVP candidate who is one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. And while he comes with certain warts and conditions and uh, challenges, he nevertheless is among the elite of the elite in this league. You can't trade him for a couple of role guys and a distant 25th pick in 2024 or something. So all of which is to say, I'm not surprised he's still a rocket and I won't be surprised when he's still a rocket a week, two weeks, a month from now, because they need to, to slow play this. The Rockets need to wait and, and you know either, either create a, more of a market for him or wait till one of those teams that's out there that's curious or intrigued but aren't sure or are trying not to give away the store and are trying to take advantage of the Rockets' discomfort and wait for those teams to feel like they're the ones who are now in the more desperate situation or the more urgent situation. So maybe that happens to Philly if they come out of the gate slow. Maybe that happens to the Nets if they come out of the gate slow. Maybe it happens with Milwaukee, despite having signed Giannis to an extension that should make them feel a lot more comfortable and patient. Um, Miami will get to. But somebody's situation may change for the worse, which will then give the Rockets at least a better negotiating stance. And in the meantime, yeah, there's no urgency. James Harden can't walk away. Yeah, Howard, this is Greg Sylvander. Um, this this is such an, a unique scenario with so many layers because when you talk about like player empowerment and um, a, a player having leverage to kind of force his way either out or to a specific destination, this is kind of a little unprecedented in um, how locked in from a contractual perspective James Harden is. And, and I'm wondering, um, do you think that there is, uh, you know, there's obviously immense pressure for Houston to get equal value, but do you really think that they can let this loom over like a new head coach and the franchise in general for an extended period of time? Like, our, like uh, there's a part of me that when I see kind of what's swirling around this team and the, and the awkward press conferences and just some of the, the off-putting stuff that way that you feel like it's just not sustainable to go through an entire season with that kind of microscope over your entire franchise with a new head coach trying to kind of, you know, uh, retool on the fly to some degree 
degree. Um, so, so that would be one thing I'm interested to hear how much you think that they are, the, how patient they will be. And two, because every Heat fan wants to know this right off the, off the cuff here is, do you think Pat Riley should cash in all those chips that he has down there? Uh, whether it be Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Casey Akpala, Kendrick Nunn for James Harden. What, what, if, if you were Pat Riley, would you make that move? I thought that was either going to be like the first question or like the last one after we're like 15 minutes in, we've gotten comfortable. We've set the table, everything talked to which teams are in or out, whatever then. And should the heat cash out everything to go all in on James Harden? Um, so let me get to your, the, the, um, the, the other one first, just, you know, can the Rockets sustain this the teams have been in worse positions than this. They know they're probably not going to have a great season anyway. I think everybody understands he's not going to be there the whole season. And the second you trade him, you're probably falling out of the playoffs and you're, you're in a rebuild. So if you're heading toward a rebuild anyway, and things aren't going to be great anyway, at least make the best of it. And making the best of it means get the best possible package you can, because you're not going to have this opportunity again. And you're not going to have another James Harden probably for a very long time. And given that the Rockets are out draft picks because of the Russell Westbrook trade primarily a year ago, um, they're in no position to, to intentionally tank. So they got to be really careful about this. They have to do this right. I don't know what do this right ultimately means or what it's going to look like, but I do think that when you're weighing uh, two, you know, lousy scenarios, keeping Harden and having it be uncomfortable and all the stuff that goes with it versus make a bad deal. I'd rather do the discomfort thing until I find the deal that I can justify. And that feels right and feels um you know fair and, and, and equitable i i'm not i'm not i'm not just giving him away i'm not trading him just to get this headache um alleviated that doesn't make any sense to me the other thing is that the rockets have this advantage um there are no fans in arenas <laughs> i think there are in like six but it's like a couple hundred fans or something scattered about so all this stuff that usually goes with disgruntled star on team he wants to leave and having to tour around the country and getting press conferences and crowded locker rooms where you have to answer this and why do you want out and where do you want to go and do you want to come here and all that and fans yelling all kinds of stuff and bringing signs and chants and what like none of that's happening it's a great so, point so so they actually have a little bit easier version of this than some other teams have had in the past um so I think I, 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 I think the smart thing is to be patient, and I think that is the likely thing for them to be patient, get the right deal. I don't know what the right deal is. Um, you, you would start with hopefully getting another star player in return, and if you can't get that, you want at least right like some promising young players and a bevy of, of draft picks. So that brings us to Miami. Um, I, you know, look, I, I'll, I'll put this fully on the table to, to uh, as, as the caveat to this whole discussion. I'm not a big hardened guy and I never really have been. I respect his, his innovation, his creativity, his sheer effectiveness. The dude is lethal. He is unguardable. He just make, gives you know, defenses and coaches all kinds of headaches. But I think that playing the style he does, or at least to the extent that he does, puts a ceiling on on what his teams can do. Ethan, and, you have an ally. 
<laughs> so, no, he's long been an ally with me on this kind of stuff. I, I, unfortunately, I, one of the problems we had at Bleacher Report was we agreed about a lot of this stuff. But yes, <laughs> I, right. right. It, it made those videos a little bit challenging. But probably, yeah. probably, yeah, probably too much agreement. That well, I was think why- you and I feel the same way about Westbrook. But I, I think for yes. a different, re- I think for a different reason. Although yeah. I think your your views on Westbrook are a little stronger than this. But my whole thing is on the style issue. And then I want to get into Brooklyn and, and Philly with you. But my whole issue is, you know, Heat fans are saying Spo will make it work, Spo will make it work, Spo will make it work. And Howard, you know, there's no probably bigger Spo backer in the media than me. But I do think, and this is why I want to ask you, because I know you have a relationship with D'Antoni. I do think that it's it's simplistic for Heat fans to keep saying, well, it was D'Antoni that was the problem in Houston and the reason that they played so much ISO. And I'm like, dude, D'Antoni is, was the model for Spolstra. Like Spo used to talk all the time about how he modeled a lot of what he did with pace and space and all that positionless after Mike. And so if Mike basically just threw his hands up and said, we're just going to play ISO ball. Cause that's what this guy does best. Why do we think somehow that Spo is going to get hardened into a motion offense? It, it doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So Mike's claim to fame the reason that Mike D'Antoni is Mike D'Antoni um, is that when he was with the Phoenix Suns, he had this philosophy it, and it came down to this phrase, his pet phrase, the ball finds energy. And when Mike said the ball finds energy, what he really meant was if you pass and you move, you will, the, the, the ball will eventually find you. If you're doing the right things, if you're being a part of this offense, not just dribbling the crap out of the ball, <laughs> And not just jacking shots. If you are being a productive member of a five-man unit, the, the ball finds energy. What he really means is, is you will get your opportunities. And yes, yeah, Steve Nash had the ball in his hands a lot, but Steve Nash had the ball in his hands a lot with the express purpose of trying to manipulate the defense to where he could get somebody open when they were in the half court. And if they were, you know, in transition, of course, we know that they, they love to shoot in seven seconds or less, as they said. So that was what Mike D'Antoni's success was. Uh, small ball, pace and space, if you want to put it that way too, a lot of threes, and Steve Nash orchestrating, right? And to the and to the advantage of his teammates, not to himself. In fact, everybody agrees, even Steve Nash says now he probably sh- should have shot more. He only averaged like 15 points, I think, when he, when he won MVP. But Mike D'Antoni was never about iso ball. And that's why he clashed with Carmelo Anthony here in New York. I covered those teams and watched as Mike D'Antoni eventually had to to resign because he lost the power struggle with Carmelo. And he's not about iso ball. Never was. Now, Harden's iso ball is a different kind of thing than than Melo's iso ball. But still, I don't think it's what Mike D'Antoni prefers aesthetically, philosophically as a basketball person, as as a longtime coach who has been in this game his entire life. But it's what worked. It's what won them a lot of games. They won 65 games. They made a couple of conference finals. If not for the Warriors building a a super team for the ages, maybe the Rockets would have been to the finals. Maybe they would have won a championship. If Chris Paul doesn't pull the hamstring. I mean, there's all the what ifs there, right? And so even in as much as I'm saying, I think Harden's style and his all-consuming approach puts a ceiling on a team, I could have very easily been wrong about all of this because they could have certainly plausibly won a championship somewhere in that run they didn't and so now i get to sit here and say see it doesn't work but i i just i in all seriousness i am skeptical that when a guy posts a usage rate of 35 plus that it's going to ultimately get you where you need to go because you do have teammates and those guys like to shoot too and too often 
in in the Rockets version of this uh, approach, or even the Thunder with Russell Westbrook when he was there. I, I don't think that's a particularly fun and gratifying way for guys to play. They need to be part of it. Even Michael Jordan never dominated an offense to the extent that James Harden does in terms of not just shots, but like time of possession, basically. So anyway, um, that all being the case, if Harden were to go to the heat and, you know, we are in, in, you know, hashtag heat culture time, right? Like heat culture became a really big uh, uh, catchphrase for all of us in, within the last year, especially once Jimmy arrived and, and that became, you know, uh, you know, not, it's not, it's not new, but it, it, it underscored, why that team is is different and better than a lot of franchises around the league. So what happens? Does James Harden bend to Heat culture if he ends up there? Or does the Heat, do Riley and Spolstra and everybody have to now uh, adapt to James Harden? I don't know the answer to that, but I imagine that is among the things that they would be discussing as they contemplate this because it will cost them, I would imagine, everything that they've got um, in terms of players and picks, and they don't have a lot on the picks front, if I recall. So, and those picks won't be that attractive because you're expected to be, you know, a top tier team where you're drafting low in the first round. So um, does, does James Harden playing this way with Jimmy Butler, Bam out of bio and a bunch of guys you plug in on minimum contracts, give you a better shot at the championship than what they currently have with the upside of Tyler hero and Duncan Robinson and these guys, I don't know. Again, like that's, you know, that's why, you know, Andy Ellisberg and, and, and Pat and all those guys are in the big bucks. They've got to figure out whether that makes sense. I am skeptical. I easy for me to say, I would kind of, I, I, I lean hard toward stay the course with them mm. because of the upside that's, that's there because of the chemistry that team already built. But the flip side of it is that Jimmy's on the clock yep. age wise, mileage wise, all those hard years spent playing for Tibbs. And so if you think you've only got a, you know, two, three year window, maybe, maybe it's longer than that, but let's say it's two, three years. Are you better off with James Harden right now and then figure it out? You can make the case. All right. We're going to talk after the break about, we're going to get specifically into the nets and the Sixers before you do. Did you know that now is the best time to sell a house in South Florida? Prices are at record levels. Your property is probably worth more than you realize. If you're interested in finding out how much, let me recommend you consult our guy. He's been here on the podcast with us, Eric Brown at five reasons, realtor.com the official real estate advisor of the five reasons sports network. Eric is a real estate professional with several years of experience representing clients from all walks of life. He's got a Wharton school business education. So he's uniquely qualified at identifying property value, negotiating on your behalf and providing an unmatched level of service. So if you're considering selling or buying your home, buying a home in South Florida, or just want to chat about heat basketball and or real estate contact Eric at 305 967 9089. That's 305-967-9089 or go to five reasons realtor.com. If he can't help you, he recommends someone who can find out what his specialized professional business approach can do for you today. Again, it's five reasons realtor, spell it out five reasons realtor.com, the official real estate advisor of the five reasons sports network or 305-967-9089. That's 305-967-9089. If you hear something in the background, I don't know. My hamster's trying to escape and my daughter's playing Roblox. So this is, this is what's going on here on a Sunday night. Uh, Howard, let's get to the two other teams that have been most in the mix. Although there was a report today about Boston and Toronto. So 
There are other teams that could sneak into this. These, those are two teams that Greg, you and I, and Adam have talked about, but primarily it's been Nets, Sixers, Heat pretty much for the last month. And then maybe third or fourth teams get involved to facilitate Denver's. One of them potentially could be a dark horse. Phoenix could be one of those teams, etc. cetera. Uh, but let's look at the Philadelphia situation first, Howard, because this stuff came out. Daryl Morey is obviously in Philadelphia. Now I find it interesting. You got Dan Tony in one place and Morey on the other. Uh, but this came out with Daryl a couple of days ago. He denied a Shams report about Ben Simmons being on the table. We know for sure Ben Simmons is on the table. He's been offered around, uh, not just there, but he's been offered around the NBA. And then Doc Rivers came out and said he had a conversation with Ben Simmons. I don't know why you have to have a conversation with Ben Simmons unless there's some truth to this. So we, we, believe, we don't believe, we know Ben Simmons has been offered. You know Daryl a little bit. Uh, he calls Harden his son. This was the big strike that he made in Houston. He paired Harden with Dwight Howard. Didn't win a championship. He paired Dwight Howard with Chris Paul. Didn't win a championship. He paired him with Russell Westbrook. Didn't win a championship. Still apparently once Harden. How far do you think Daryl Morey will go to bring James Harden to Philadelphia? And do you think that Houston will actually deal with him? <laughs> it's a really funny thing, right? Like um, the Rockets agree to let Daryl go. And, you know, it's presumably to, to take a year off and then, you know, 10 days later, whatever, he's, he's signing with the Sixers. And yeah, that's fine. That's that's how these things go. And, the, you know, the, the Rockets didn't have to let him out of the deal. I, I don't think there's any bitterness there. But if if Harden ends up in Philly also with Daryl, um, I just it's just it's just strange at a certain point. I don't know. I don't know what Houston uh, or Rockets fans should think of that if, if it happens that way. Um and, you know, Harden wants out for his own reasons. And it, and so here's the thing again. I'll go back to this. It, the Rockets trade him when they get the best deal, whatever that is. Now, if Ben Simmons is on the table, if the Sixers are willing to deal Ben Simmons, I think the entire discussion is over because yeah. there's nothing else that anybody else in the league is going to offer that's going to be better. I don't care what package of players and picks you offer. I mean, unless, you know, unless it's Oklahoma offering you all the picks that Sam Presti's collected over the last two years, or maybe the Pelicans who, have, who own, you know, a boatload themselves. But if you put Ben Simmons on the table, it's over. It's over. There's nothing else to discuss. And don't, a, you, don't you think it would already be done? You know, yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Because there's, look, you have to match salaries and all the other bullshit with the, the CBA. Okay, fine. It, but in terms of what you need to get back, Ben Simmons is a top 15 NBA player, an all NBA player who is uh, among the unicorns of, of this league. Now, 6'10 point guard who can do all this stuff and defends five positions, all this. And he's barely in his prime game over. That's it. If you get Ben Simmons, I don't care what else is in the deal going in either direction. That is it. That's what you need. The Rockets need somebody to build around. I don't want to care about like somebody's going to say, oh, well, John Wall. I don't know. Who cares about John Wall? John Wall had to get his Achilles uh, fixed and had other injuries. I'll figure out John Wall later. I'm not worried about whether John Wall and Ben Simmons mesh. I care that I can get a franchise star for the next 10 years in Ben Simmons. That's it. That's the guy I need I, or, or, or the equivalent of. Well, guess what? There, there, there is nobody else out there. Like, I don't think anybody else who's a top 15 player is probably going to be put on the table. So if Ben Simmons is on the table, it's over. And we're not having this discussion anymore. Um, the Sixers, of course, no matter how much Daryl might want to add James Harden, should do everything possible that he can short of trading Ben Simmons. So that's like, 
if we're going to like gameplay this out in our, in our own heads here, well, okay, let's say that he is ultimately willing to trade Ben Simmons, but he doesn't want to say that yet. And he's not ready to do it yet. And he's got to reassure Ben Simmons and he's got to put out these fires. But in the meantime, in the back of his head, he knows he will, if he has to, but if he can avoid it, he will. Well, that's probably where you are, right? Can we, can we trade Matisse Tybel and a couple of spare parts and, you know, maybe Tobias Harris's contract to make this work. I don't like, and I've, by the way, I've not done the math. I'm not on the trade machine. I'm just throwing stuff out there. And when the Rockets say no, 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 and then a few months, you know, or a few weeks into the season or a month into the season, inevitably come back and do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Depending on how determined that they are. Now, the other thing is, and this is the obvious, Doc Rivers just got there, Daryl Morey just got there, and you want to be the ones, where, first of all, you, 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 everybody thinks they're the ones because coaches and GMs all have egos are the ones who think, I'll be the one to figure this out. I know Simmons and Embiid haven't quite clicked and everything else. I'll be the one to figure it out. But you also want to give yourself the time to evaluate it up close yourself before you just decide that two guys, both in their prime or, or barely in their prime, who could be together and could be one of the great all-time duos for all we know, before you go and break them up, you better be damn sure, especially when you're trading for a 31-year-old Harden. So I think that's where we are. Again, I like the Sixers don't have to do this and they don't have to do it right now. And they probably shouldn't do it right now. So it, that's that's my read of the situation that's more also just just logic and feel than it is like i'm not sourcing anything i'm just telling you this is what makes sense to me and now ultimately would would harden put them in a better position to win the championship right now and for the next couple of years even if it's at the cost of ben simmons yes harden and Embiid, i think are very complimentary i think they could be incredible together and as we know if anybody in this league believes wholeheartedly in harden even with all the quirks, even with him dominating the ball and every possession, everything, it would be Daryl Morey. On the other hand, and this will be my last on the other hand, as I keep snapping back and forth, he also knows all the other stuff as well as anybody too. Tim McMahon from ESPN had the, the very detailed and, and, and incredible report just about all of the stuff that the Rockets have had to do and all the bending they've had to do for James Harden. And that has included a lot of off-court stuff, his, his partying and everything. And so if anybody knows what the potential pitfalls of that are, again, it's Daryl Morey. Yeah, I, f I find it fascinating that he wants to go and pursue the player that was facilitating all of that activity surrounding the franchise. He was trying to build uh, a roster and, you know, just kind of keep afloat. It's, it's an interesting dynamic off the court. Uh, but we talk about teams that are trying to win right now. And, and you mentioned duo when you talk about Embiid and, and Harden and what that would look like. Brooklyn is coming at this from a whole other perspective. And they, I feel like were the team that a lot of people just almost took for granted that uh, James Harden would end up in Brooklyn and there was going to be a big three, you know, there with KD and Kyrie. Um, and, and because that was his preferred destination from the, from the beginning, I think a lot of people jumped to that conclusion quickly and superstars kind of get to where they want to get to eventually. Um, I'm interested to hear your take on how viable it is for Brooklyn to get back in the mix, uh, considering the pieces that they have to offer. And then the other part of this is you talked about duo and we just saw another duo in Los Angeles, you know, with the Lakers win the championship and a duo with the Clippers and um, even with Jimmy and Bam have been able to do as a duo. Why do you think this has now become a league filled with duos rather than big threes? When you talk about, you know, Heat fans are, you know, left imprinted in our memory forever is, you know, the 2010 big three and stuff like that. I'm just interested to hear your perspective there. 
Yeah, it's really interesting that we took such a hard turn there where, you know, starting with the Celtics, you know, the new big three of, you know, Garnett, Allen uh, and Pierce, that kind of kicked off this whole arms race. And that wasn't going to go on forever. And the fact is, it's really hard to do, whether it's players orchestrating it through free agency, whether it's teams doing it through trade, it's hard to build a big three. There aren't that many guys who are actually big three worthy, right? Like, like at what? where's the cutoff for calling your third player part of a big three? Um, was Kevin Love really part of a big three in Cleveland at times, maybe? That's the cutoff. Right? <laughs> so, you know, because LeBron and Kyrie, given, right? LeBron and Wade, given, and Bosh, certainly. Um, the Celtics, big three. The, the, the Warriors had their organic big three. Then they went to a big four when they added Kevin Durant. But there aren't that many, you know, it's, it's like saying, um, oh, that guy's a top five player. How come that guy's not in your top five? Well, because there's only five. <laughs> At a certain point, everybody can't be a top five player. You got to have a cutoff. Big threes are dependent on the idea that you have enough elite players going around uh, or, or in the league to, to create a big three and for somebody else to create one and then for somebody else to try to get in the act. So what I'm saying is I think it just kind of petered out on its own and we'll see it again at some point. An opportunity will present itself. But I think it's mostly just, um, just, just the rhythms of the league, and then the fact that in, in a salary cap league and with a luxury tax, and, um, and and players at various stages of their career, it's not always the right time to go to go be part of a big three. You have a guy like Giannis or Dame Lillard who have made it pretty clear: no, I'm, I'm going to do this here. I don't want to be part of a big three, you know, or, or or part of a super team. James Harden said the same thing to me a year ago, September. We sat down, he was in New York doing uh, a, a shoe thing. And so we, we talked for a while about him having just turned 30 and what it meant and all this. And when I asked him about not having won the championship yet, one of the things that Harden said was, I, <laughs> famous last words, I want to do it here, meaning Houston, not New York. Uh, I want to do it with Houston. I'm not interested in, in going somewhere else and, and, and joining somebody else's you know, super team or, 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 or creating one. Um, we'll see where that ends up this time. But Anyway, I, I don't think there's any particular reason it, that that we're at a that we've suddenly um, slid into a big two era after you know 12 years of being in a in a big three super team era. I think it's it just happened. There'll be another one. Um, maybe it'll even be this season. I'm not convinced that it'll be Brooklyn though. So on the Brooklyn situation, and then I'm, we're gonna get to some rapid fire here after the break. You look at their pieces, right? Okay, so. You would assume sage and all that Kyrie is untouchable at this stage. Uh, you know my feelings about Kyrie because you were with me that year that I covered the Cavs, and I kind of feel about Kyrie a little bit like I feel about Harden for different reasons. But Kyrie is there. Durant, to me, and we have a disagreement with our guy Adam in the in the network on this. I, Durant's going to be a top five player this year. I think what we saw a couple nights ago. I mean, that's. He's back and he's going to be back. And, and I don't think that that injury is going to affect him like it's affected some others. But then you have some interesting pieces on that team. I mean, you have Joe Harris re-signed at a big number. I think a number that Heat fans are looking at for Duncan Robinson. I, I, you know, Joe Harris has been a favorite of mine since he was a rookie in Cleveland and he's developed into a, a really, really good player. Um, but then you also have Dinwiddie on the last year of his deal. At times they were more effective with Dinwiddie than they were with Kyrie. Karis Levert showed in the bubble that he could be a primary scorer for a lot of teams in the league. You've got Jared Allen. What would a Brooklyn package to entice Houston even look like with where Houston is at this stage? Well, that's the thing. Um, well, there, there, are two, there are two things, actually. Um, the first is I'm not convinced 
that the Nets are as um, eager to, to make a trade for Harden as people maybe have assumed. I'm not, I'm not sure that they are all in on this in the first place. And even if they were, I don't think, and I like Karis Levert's a really nice player. Like he could on a, on a team where he's the sole focus, he could flirt with, with an all-star campaign, right? Karis Levert's very talented. Spencer Dinwiddie's a really good player. Jared Allen's a nice player. Um, whatever else goes in the deal. They'll have, they, they, I don't think they have anybody else's picks. They just have their own and their own are going to be low you're talking about trading a generational player in, in James Harden. I don't think that Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie, neither of whom may, may, other may uh, excuse me, may ever make an all-star team plus a bunch of low first round picks. I, I don't think that gets you there. It's well, certainly Howard, not what Howard, I'm let, let me, let me, let me stop you there. Hero or, or Levert. You, you're, you, you have a franchise. You're trying to bring a core piece in, in this trade, forget that, you know, Akpala and, Precious and Duncan and some of the other names, but just Hero versus Lavert, you would take. I mean, Hero's younger. Hero's younger and doesn't have the injury history that Lavert does. Lavert's injuries. I mean, that's why he was available to the Nets at whatever the twenty-second pick several years ago, anyway. Um, and he's had some bumps along the way, you know, since they've gotten him. I mean, I think Lavert has the higher ceiling, but he is older and has the injury history. So, um. It's not, a, I'd never really thought about that, to be honest. Like I had not thought about like, if, if I were in the position to take one or the other as the, as the critical piece of a trade, um, I think you, you, you tend to skew younger, right? Like you, mm -hmm. I think, you know, when in doubt, go with, with the younger guy with the more upside, but he's all, you know, Tyler here also has the shorter track record. Yeah. So it's, and the shorter arms as people in our network used to say, but yes, yes. That's, <laughs> that, but, but we, but we, but we also saw Tyler do it you know, on the biggest stage. I mean, I know he struggled in the finals, but what we saw in the Eastern Conference finals, he's done it on that stage. Karras has really not had that opportunity. I mean, to me, when I look at the Nets package, part of the problem is just the contracts. Dinwiddie, I like a lot, but do you want to bring in Dinwiddie and then have to pay him? I, I don't know. Like, I, is he a guy that you're going to pay long-term? Um, Jared Allen, I like. He's not a build-around big, though. Like, no. I'm with you on this. Like, they have a really nice package, to trade, but it's like if Houston gets that, is anybody excited? Whereas no, it, I, right, right. But I, but I do feel like Tyler Hero with what he just did in the finals, and let's look in the playoffs, and let's just be honest. I mean, Tyler Hero has a certain. I mean, he's unique. Okay, he's he's a potential you know young white star in the NBA who has some edge and some quote unquote drip to him. Like I feel like he's a sellable player. I don't know if Karis Levert is a sellable player. Right, he's just another good two guard. Like, so I do feel like the heat have a little bit more to offer there. Um, and I just don't know what the pieces that Brooklyn. I mean, unless Brooklyn's trading Kyrie, which they're not, I, I don't know where, I mean, the, the players that Brooklyn would trade Houston would just keep Houston sort of middle of the pack in the West. And as you and I have talked about many, many times, that's like the worst place to be. Well, the, the problem for them is that, that that's the only place they can be. They're not going to be elite. And they can't afford to be crappy because they don't have control over their own draft picks. So um, Houston is is one of those rare teams where the treadmill of mediocrity might be their best option um, because being bad has no payoff. So, you know, who who gives you the best chance to at least be competitive? And and when when it's time for fans to return to arenas, can at least help you sell tickets? I don't know. I think it depends on what's coming with Karis LeVert or what's coming with Tyler Hero, right? But again, in both cases, you could probably just assume that every role player 
that the Rockets can demand, and especially the ones who are on cheap contracts, the Duncan Robinsons, the Jared Allens, they're going to demand. And, you know, they should. So, and, in, and both teams won't have great picks to offer. They're going to be their own picks that are going to be low in the first round. So, I, and I don't know if that's really the, um, I don't know if that's the competition anyway. I, I think this is, like I say, I, I'm not convinced the Nets want to go this way. The Nets have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and on paper, and, you know, listen, we, we all watched Kevin Durant in these couple of preseason games. He looked in, phenomenal. He looked like himself. Kyrie looked really good. We really don't know. We still don't know. Like, like I, I'm not prepared to say that that Kevin Durant is absolutely going to defy decades of Achilles um, track records. We have to see a full season of it. And I hope for, I absolutely hope that we see the real Kevin Durant or very close to it. But the Nets can't know that for sure either. They know more than we do. And there's still, hey, how are Katie and Kyrie going to function over the course of a full season? They're friends, but doesn't mean you always can play well together. Go look at Harden and Westbrook or Harden and Chris Paul. It's, there's no guarantee. Steve Nash is a rookie head coach. Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert are having to take lesser roles now. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the caveats with the Nets are relevant. They still could, could win it all, um, and they have the talent to win it all. The question, I think, is it's more for the Heat. Yeah, they're the defending Eastern Conference champs, but do they? Are, how confident are they that they can do it again? How confident right. are they that, that, this, that what they have is enough, and especially given Jimmy Butler's age, that they've got enough of a runway? Because I think the Nets probably are more comfortable than the Heat. And again, this is just me speculating and thinking out loud in a, on, a, on a topic I hadn't even thought about before, Heat versus Nets at this stage. I got to believe the Nets are more confident in where they are right now than the Heat are when it comes to being able to win it all with what they have right now. All right. When we come back, we're going to do some rapid fire here with Howard, and then we're going to close this thing out. Before we do, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of Inner Miami, the Miami Marlins, and the Five Reasons Sports Network. This is South Florida's actual independent brewery. We're getting it for the live streams, Alejandro. Just got plenty of beer. I'm going to need some more at my place. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and supporting five reasons sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle if you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer. Those are two good things. Grab their stuff, Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, and Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. Just ask for it or go to the website. It's the beer we're drinking at five reasons sports. All right. I got some rapid fire here for you. These are 30 seconds or less. Howard, I'm going to get you out of here. You ready? (laughs) All right, go for it. Does Giannis win a championship in Milwaukee in the next two years? Next two years. Yes. Next two seasons. Yes. Yes, he does. They've got enough. Wow. It'll take. Yeah. Okay. They they have enough. Look, look, my real quick explanation is this. Um, They have enough to win. Some things have to maybe break their way, but things have to break every team's way every year. There are no overwhelming favorites. There is no team, even though the Lakers are the clear favorite this year, not the Lakers, not anybody else are so far and away better than the Bucks that we can say that they don't, that they have no shot to win a championship in the next two years. They do. They're among a handful of teams that could win it any one of the next few seasons. All right, LeBron, how many more does he get? I think they do win it this season. I think they do win it this season. 
um, his 18, 18th year, right? 18th. So wait a second. Wait, wait. Yeah. Like you said, there's only five top five players. There's only one team that will get the championship. So you're saying you, we're penciling this in now. LeBron oh, so the, this year, yeah, so the Lakers next year, right? Right. You but, said next two seasons. Yeah. Now you're gonna you're gonna put go put this like up on a board somewhere and then hold me to it and <laughs> haunt me with it if when the Lakers don't win in 2021 and the Bucks don't win in 2022. Yeah. Look at what you've done. You've actually boxed me into predicting the next two champions. I did on this December for two years. 20th. I I did this for two years. Killing ago. me. So this Killing is, me. We're just right back to it. Right, Greg? This is I do this to you guys too. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I will right. but I, I will say this about the championship um or the the con, the um contender tier, right? Whoever you guys want to put in that tier, every single one of them, there's just enough wiggle room there where you think, eh, I'm not sure how long that team's gonna still be there. Like the Clippers are there right now. What's mm. their window really? I'm not sure. You know, the Lakers are there, but LeBron is 36 or will be 36 in another week or so here. Um like every single, like, are, is Denver going to ascend to that position in the next couple of years? I'm not sure about that. Like uh, the heat of the defending Eastern conference champs, but how, how long is the runway? Like if you, every team that you think the, the nets, well, we t- just talked about all their caveats. Like there's no team that you could look at the way we looked at the Cavs for that four years or the warriors for those five years where you can say that team is going to be nearly impossible to dislodge. And so we are in a much more open era right now. The bucks, do have a path except if the heat get hardened well don't start that don't start that all right bradley beal bradley beal in a year is he still with the washington wizards i'm gonna say no where is he um oh gosh um where is he my favorites for him well one i thought that he should have asked out a year ago yeah <laughs> yes um, i agree does i think russell westbrook buys them some time but if the if the point of the exercise is that bradley beal's in his prime and doesn't make all-star teams or all nba teams because he puts up great stats but they don't win enough and he needs to be somewhere where he's got a chance to win well because while he's in his prime and westbrook is 32 like that didn't get you that much of a reprieve there's a reprieve there it's an injection of energy but i don't know if it's enough so i think beal still ultimately uh asks out and when he does, the teams that I always had an eye on were, and then by, by that, I mean like a year ago when I thought maybe he would ask out then, um, Denver, just because of their their broad collection of talent and depth of the number of pieces they could put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pelicans, because they got mm-hmm. all those picks and, and mm-hmm. some nice pieces to move to. Um, those two, th- those are the two uh, primary ones. The other team I would like to see, in, if, if he's ever available, like to see jump into that, if the Warriors could somehow get Bradley Beal Clay Thompson comes back as the three and those three guys together, Curry, Beal, Clay. Now you've got a chance to say, okay, before Curry rides off into the sunset, we have a legit chance of doing this again. All right. Last one, James Harden. Where does he end up? Oh man. I mean, you um, knew I was going to finish here. I, 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 yeah, we, we did like 20 minutes of Harden. I thought maybe I, I was I, off I'm, the hook. I'm circling back to it. I, I mean, you've already predicted the next two champions. So go ahead. So, <laughs> I mean, so, so where does Harden end up? Um, I'm going to say Philly. I'm going to okay. say it's either, how about this? It's either Philly or some team we haven't thought of. Cause just, and I could be completely wrong on this one. I, I just, my, everything in my gut tells me he's not going to end up in Brooklyn and he's, and that the heat are not going to, to throw everything into the, uh, into the deal that they, that it would take. And I just, you know, maybe there's some other weird scenario out there. Maybe it's Toronto. Mm. Maybe it's Memphis for all I know, probably not Memphis, but maybe uh, somebody else swoops in 
uh, that was unforeseen. Because that that's often the way these things go, right? Yeah, we we yeah. fixate on yep. the teams that are most rumored, that are most mm-hmm. seem most logical. Why was it going to Toronto? I mean, no. that, that like why was it going to Toronto? And I mean, there's been a bunch of these. I mean, look, AD to the Lakers, we knew, but but the Kawhi one hey, came out Jimmy of nowhere and it resulted in a championship. Paul George to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy to Philly. Jimmy to Philly. Yeah. It, they, these these things you don't, you know, it's not always telegraphed, it's not always predictable. Um I so if, if it's among the teams that we're fixated on right now, I'd say Philly. But if it's not Philly, I think it's somebody who's not even on the board at the moment. All right, and I lied. Last one. Heat keep this <laughs> heat keep keep this roster as is. Go into the season with what they have. Where do, where does this thing finish this year for them? I mean, the East has gotten really tough because I think like I'm going to assume that the Nets are what we think they're going to be based on what they are on paper, right? The Nets are a top four team. The Bucks are top four. The Heat are top four, I think. Um, I, it's hard to judge Boston right now because of Kemba's knee and the loss of Gordon Hayward. I'm not sure I, I, can, I I've got a great beat on what Toronto will be or whether they're even going to hold on to Kyle Lowry for the full season. And I'm not sure whether Philly is going to finally have it all come together. So we've got like, you know, five teams that are that any one of them, you can make a case to be in the conference finals. Um, do I think the heat will at least get back to the conference finals? I do. I, I, I think, okay. I think they've got that in them as is, because I think um, what we saw in year one was phenomenal chemistry, a really great style of team ball, both ends of the court. And all the things that we've come to expect from the heat in terms of a competitive edge and, and, a, and a diligence and a commitment about them, like all the, all the stuff that, that goes into hashtag heat, heat culture is real and it will only continue this year. And they did this with, you know, three really young players in the rotation, um, especially during the regular season when none was still starting. And, you know, that should, doesn't always, but should only get better. There should only, they're, they're the rare team that could be, have that successful of a season with that much youth and still have room for improvement without having to add anything because they have internal growth available to them. All right. Well, that's where we close. He's now at sports illustrated. I think we can safely say now five years later that bleacher should have kept their program together. And he and I might still be working together, but we can still do this (laughs) kind of thing. Follow him at Howard Beck. Howard, we always appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. Guys. No, thanks for having me. This is fun. Ethan, always, always a pleasure to, uh, to do this again and, uh, have, you know, happy to come back anytime. All right. Absolutely. Thank you, Howard. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network.